Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 395, and today we'll be talking about Once Upon a Swap from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. So I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out there. Once Upon a Swap. Uh very strong contender for my least favorite episode of the Owl House. Oh, oh and that's like so it? cold. You said that last week, like, as a, a warning, you were like, I just don't like body swaps. And is it just the concept? Because I actually thought this was one of the, like, funnier episodes of this season. Like, it's a good opportunity. It's it's not the concept. Like, I loved it when Mau did it. It was hilarious when Mau did it. I just, I don't know, man. That cat cafe freaks me out. <laughs> okay, and, there we uh, go. We isolated so does, it. So does Basha. Okay. Okay. So I, I think it's just a double whammy. No, I want to hear GC's hot takes first. Okay, so the cat cafe, I can understand, right? Like, these aren't animals. Like, these are sentient demon creatures. Or what, what, what did she call them? Cherubs? Yes, this is, this is literal slavery. <laughs> I mean, it was horrifying, but conceptually, she, <laughs> she just swaddled them. Like, they were only, they were literally nice to them. Until they went, like, brain dead. But that was it. Like, while they technically looked nefarious and sounded nefarious. And acted nefarious. And, I, but they just didn't <laughs> let them leave and treated them nicely. They just kidnapped them and held them against their will. unlawful you know, what, what else did they do? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, when you put it like that. I mean, I, you saw what happened to Bowtie. It cannot just be that they cuddled them. Until their brains turned to mush. Bowtie was like, oh, you must get out of here, my friend. And then with meow, meow, like two seconds later. As you can, as you can see, it's clearly a metaphor for how the working class are exploited for profit and held against their <laughs> and, um, their, by their employers and slowly turned dead in, on the inside. Oh, 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 is this, a, is this an amnesia, a machine for pigs reference? No, I just hate capitalism. <laughs> I, uh, yes. You know, that's what Disney... You watch the Jimquisition every Monday, right? That's what Disney cartoons are famous for, is their, you know, subtext about capitalism, right? <laughs> you know, when I, when I think of a company for the workers, I think of Disney. <laughs> yeah, of course. Hey, someone's got to work at those Republican campaigns, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, where are they going to get th- those poor impoverished republicans who have who need these generous corporations to fund their ad campaigns hey i hear there are a lot of russian-owned yachts being seized (laughs) i smell a fire sale oh my god this week on the lunar ceasefire gets canceled (laughs) on twitter (laughs) yes but I don't know what happened to Bowtie, but it cannot just be that Bowtie was cuddled until his brain turned to mush, because he was very lucid and then very not lucid anymore, just like a light. I mean, the show does have like a running joke where, wow, that's really messed up to show on a kid's show. Anyway, and then they just right. keep going without addressing it. <laughs> so I think that's also just in, like, none of them get freed. Like, they're not you know, hosting a cherub-run insurrection and granting power to the people. No, they just leave them, right? Yeah. Like, no, they're long they gone. They just leave I them mean, to suffer. The... <laughs> yeah. 
To be fair, it's Ida who knows what's going on back there, and Ida does not care. She so. does do that beam, that body swap beam, so maybe that's the opportunity that the cherubs need to take to escape. Because I'm pretty sure they left the door open. Eh, but they're stuck in their rocking chairs. They want num-nums. <laughs> I mean, that one cat was working as a waiter, the, the flying one, when Ida first entered the place, so I don't, I don't know what's going on there. So, besides the messed up cat cafe, why else don't you like this episode, GC? Hmm. Well, the subplot that King went on uh, wasn't that great either. Um, it was, it's, again, I, when I say not that great, it's just, it, it's not a GC 1-3 kind of episode. I watch it and it's like, it's, I don't see anything bad about it. I just don't like it. Although I do want to know, why was King not wearing his flying shoes? Oh, King wasn't wearing his flying shoes during that race because he needed to be imperiled. So. Well, they I, they put the flying shoes on at the end. I don't think um, Bosha was wearing them during the race either. I was just about to check that. That's true. Maybe they took them off for the rules of the race. I, I will say I, I liked that King had a full body to do things in. And I actually in like... Like that they put him through that. Oh, no, Basha is 100% wearing her flying sneakers. Uh, King took his off for absolutely no reason. Maybe they only have, like, just enough for the gang, and so with him there, like, they have to share. Well, even the even the moron who King stole the sneakers from is wearing them. It's weird. It is a little <laughs> out of order. Episode defeated. Again, we just needed King to be imperiled. I mean, it, you could also have a plot point where he just forgot to use them if you put them on him. Yeah. Eh, like I said, it's, it's okay. I, uh, I thought the, I thought the inclusion of Hootie was, uh, in the, in the pranking was nice. Hootie is a vicious weapon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh but, uh, at least Luz had an, uh, interesting thing. Although it was very funny how the, the immediately the makeup that uh, gets smeared onto the mirror. That way we can draw Luz as having a much more uh, young-looking Ida face. Yeah, that was good. They did um the the body swap thing where they change voices and they change other features as well, which I guess is like part of the magic. But my favorite body swaps are where they really force the actor to yes. act as if another actor or another character is controlling them. Not not every body swap episode can be the new Lars, unfortunately. Yeah, they did that too. I remember. That's what I was trying to remember. Right, like having Lars act as Steven was so much more special. I mean, that just that just proves what a boss Matthew Moy is, though. Uh, let's be real. Yeah, I love when they really give the actors like kind of a bit of freedom to to improvise and to add their own twists to these characters. But they they didn't do this time, and I understand that like that that wouldn't have really necessarily served the episode. Well, there's also three of them, so you you know true. It gets a little more confusing, I guess. If I'm gonna give them credit, I mean, I'm not saying the target audience is people you know under 21, but they might get confused. <laughs> so it's a little helpful. What? It's a little helpful. You mean to draw people the age and... <laughs> uh, six to eleven haven't watched Freaky Friday? I know, right? No, okay, now, uh, you, you talk about people being confused. I actually was a little bit confused. I've, I've watched this episode a few times, and 
I don't know, for whatever reason, in the cat cafe, I just keep, in my in my head, my brain wants it to be like Garfield and Friends, where Garfield is talking, but no one can hear him. But you, you're reminded that, no, no, they, they're like, oh yeah, King's talking to us because he's not an animal, he's a demon. We're keeping him here against his will, because he's a, a living, breathing person just like us. Right, they receive his words strangely, like they only sometimes seem to react as if he's speaking full English yeah. sentences. Or Ida, but you know. So I get, I get Garfield and Friends vibes, and I have to remind myself that this is not a Garfield situation. So this episode's just really confusing for you, then. <laughs> it's yeah, just a whole mess. Yeah, of I mean, the Boiling mess. Isles clearly does not have a very strong human rights laws in place. You can kind of, but also, well, why would they? also only the highest by crimes you can commit is to run a stand without a license. Why can't she just get licensed? Oh, don't even get me started on how ridiculous it is that, oh, they would have never found Ida unless there was a giant sign yeah. saying Ida was here. Like, the, Thank the, you. Thank like, you. The fact that this is what we're... Like, it's not a good buildup to the Emperor being revealed that, like, the guards and the general police force is so, like, not even incompetent, just non-existent. I mean, they don't exist unless the plot gives them a reason to exist. Like, oh, there's a giant glowing sign. It's not like she's in the same spot every day. Uh, yeah. Or every week, like, I should say. They know where she lives, surely. It's and a it's house clearly the same, owl. The same two guards. <laughs> right. For the whole Boiling Isles. <laughs> like, Yeah. I want to know what was he? What was that pacifier lodged in? Like there was, there's no <laughs> that was a good mask. joke. I really like that joke. It just makes him feel relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> and then Lilith shows up, and there's no way he can feel relaxed. Lilith is very serious in her return here. Oh yes, she and she was not having any of Luz's nonsense either. Which is funny because body swap magic is a thing that is known, and clearly they were able to undo it on their own without Ida once she hightailed it. Well, no, the episode ended, so that's why they went back. I mean, <laughs> there was no, there's no in-universe <laughs> explanation. <laughs> it's just the status quo was reset. Either that or that dog eventually learned how to head the Emperor's Coven. They, they taught a dog how to speak. They're good. Yeah, and then Lilith was like, actually, this isn't so bad. I'm gonna go pee on a fire hydrant now. <laughs> yeah this is like when steven created an alternate timeline you could just potentially explain the rest of the events of the show under a completely different lens maybe this is the second episode that alex hirsch has been a part of that involved a establishment explicitly banning teenagers <laughs> like if you're 12 or if you're 20 that's fine but anything in between Ban because it was the Gravity Falls episode where it was like the ghosts, and they were mm. like, "We don't want teens in our convenience store." And uh, Dipper was <laughs> lying about being thirteen when he was actually twelve, and he told them that, and they liked him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny because I think the only age that's like worse than a teenager as a whole is like being twelve, <laughs> eleven, and twelve. Truly wretched time. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. So much of my repressed memories are just from those years. <laughs> the years that I was 12. The, <laughs> the years that I was 11 and 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did like at the end, though, where 
loses suggesting, oh, maybe if we all work together to clean Hootie, and then they, they just immediately do a not it, and she's like, oh, man, like, not like a, you dirtbags, but just like a, huh, I should have seen that coming. Yeah, I, I do like the subtle kind of development in this show about how they're all, in the beginning, really mean to each other for no reason, and it's just sort of, like, accepted in the show. And, you know, a lot of cartoons are like that, where, like, the butt of the joke is that they're mean to each other. But here, it was doing that in the beginning, and then they don't do this humor once they're closer as friends, which I think is really subtle, but also really smart. And I really enjoyed kind of noticing that in retrospect, instead of it just being like, we all need to be friends and nicer to each other, and that's like the thesis of the episode. Like here, Mm. it's like, they're just mean to each other. But yeah, you get this vibe where they're all just like, rude or they don't care, or they laugh at each other's misfortune. But it changes, right? Like, a lot of shows where they do that kind of humor starts from the beginning to the end. But this show starts with that kind of humor, and then as the characters grow closer, in the background, the humor shifts away from them just being mean to each other as a joke. It becomes other types of humor, which is something I really appreciated and like noticing about these episodes yeah Ida Ida really comes to like having lose around as for King uh, as we mentioned last time um, he's still doing the whole you know I, I'm not a kid I'm a man a big strong man and you know we realize no he actually is just a kid and that's why he acts like one but even he starts to be part of the big happy family when he's not being made to wear armor of intimidation anyway yeah, I mean, he literally takes Ida's last name and is referred to as her, like, literal son and child. Based Rain. Who? Rain? Rain Whispers? Oh, yeah, that's right. The, the step-parent. The bard. The ex. So, <laughs> it, it goes from King being sort of, like, Ida's not-pet. Lackey. <laughs> lackey like not even a familiar because she has albert for that just a (laughs) (laughs) just like this sentient speaking creature that lives in her house (laughs) and is considered one of the two major sentient races on the boiling isles you have the witches and you have demons and that's like those are the the people so he's just there he's also a pet because you know when you're small and fluffy i guess the social rules change As Ida discovered. Yes, and then he develops into being not just infantilized because he is small and fluffy, but because he's literally like a little baby. <laughs> yeah, he, he acts like a kid, like no fooling. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, he's hitting puberty. And you're like, what? Like, that's not his adult form. <laughs> and that he actually is like gonna look different in a few years time. Which also makes it really funny that like, He's decrying his small size, saying his life is so hard. I'm like, dude, you're going to have another growth spurt by, like, September. <laughs> Which is a great thing that he doesn't have clothes that he can't grow out of. Like, you're going to be upping the... the. Okay, now, you see, so what I was thinking is that since he's so furry, he won't have to worry about the acne. I mean, it'll still itch under his clothes, I guess. Or under his yeah. fur. Or under his skull. Ugh. But at least he won't be an outcast. He won't need Acne Blast Man to save his social life. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it really, like, the kind of 
vibe of his character totally evolves throughout the show in like a lore sense which i thought was very funny especially in this episode because knowing as a as a creature how his life is expected to evolve and him just being like i hate being treated like a little baby and i'm like you're a child you know like it's gonna change i don't think he's aware of that yeah that's a good point like ida you saw in the in the last episode how ida refuses to act motherly unless she has to so she's probably just been treating King like a tiny adult this whole time. Like, she laughs at him like he's an adult who's just acting like a kid, so. <laughs> so he probably just assumes, he feels in his brain like, I am an adult. This is what adult kings act like. Yeah. Why are you acting like I'm a child? I, I did think Luz was, this isn't the last time Luz is going to be like, oh no, you can't handle teens. Luz, not everyone has as much trouble dealing with teens as you do. <laughs> Like, when when V goes in to deal with the teens, she handles it just fine. And she's not even from this planet. Luz is just a weirdo. And that's okay. And, and Luz has teenager friends. Like, why does she, why did, why become invested in, you know, what those, what the other friend group thinks? Well, I, I guess for Luz, it was hard for her to learn to deal with teens. And so she, she just assumes everyone has that difficulty. But then King actually finds people, no, no, these people just want to blindly follow somebody. I'll give him someone to blindly follow. If he didn't have to fight Basha, he would have been just fine. That's true. Although I think the law would have caught up with him eventually. Yeah, they would have scattered and he would have got busted. Mm-hmm. Conformatorium for sure. Oh, that would be funny, Luz having to come in King's body to rescue him. Because you know Ida's going to demand her body back. Why didn't we get that episode? Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Once Upon a Swap. Join us next week. Until then. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon related content, please visit lunarceasefire.com. 